good day to be indigenous. Get up, stand up. They are going to become more brutal. Couldn't cut, didn't cut again. Because all the hippies were trying to be Indians anyway. They're going to become more repressive because it's a matter of dollars and their illusionary concepts of power. Hey, Victor. We must live in balance with the earth. And also with recent happenings at Wounded Knee. I have become more. Welcome to Native Roots Radio Presents. I'm awake and I'm your host, Wakanja Hade. With the earth. Oh, Robert, we're, we're not hearing you. Or at least I'm not. This portion of the show is brought to you by Minsure, Minnesota's health insurance marketplace where individuals and families can shop, compare, and choose health insurance. Go to Minsure.org. That's M-N-S-U-R-E dot org. A place where individuals and families can shop, compare, and choose health insurance. All right. I don't know why we've got a reverb on that. Wendy, are you hearing me okay? I'm hearing you fine. We are having technical difficulties, and we cannot hear Robert, who is our host of Native Roots Radio. Hey, so that's okay. We'll, Hello? Uh, Can you hear me? Yes. There it is. Okay. Yeah. Um, I'm in the twilight zone here in St. Paul, Minnesota. I'm here at the at the home office here and Wendy's in New York city, uh, holding down the fort and Ogma's up in the deep, deep North. And I just want to uh, say, uh, Hey, Kadegi to all my friends and relatives in four directions. You are listening to native Ritz radio presents. I'm awake. And today we have a uh, special guest, Bob Rice, who owns a powwow grounds here in the twin cities, Minneapolis. And we want to uh, quiz him because it's kind of a place where everybody meets uh, people come from all over the country and stop at the powwow grounds. So we want to, quiz him a little bit and we have a special uh segments with uh wendy on our sacred animals and we're excited to uh to talk a couple segments there on uh so her fans out there are listening and are happy that she's on today so hey wendy without any further ado let's get with ogama with the news that you don't hear anywhere else uh welcome ogama Hey, bonjour, Anim relatives. This is Ogama Ganuakwe, and uh, I am a member of the Red Lake Nation in northern Minnesota, and I've got some news and information for you here. Uh, one thing I want to talk about that I don't know that we've talked too much about here on Native Roots Radio uh, is the Talon Mine and the Tamarack North Project uh, here in northern Minnesota. The proposed Talon Metals Sulfide Nickel Mine in Tamarack, Minnesota, threatens to destroy rural vacation land in Aiken County and more and uh, threatens more than 460 inland lakes, wetlands, and the origin of the Mississippi and St. Croix River watersheds. Um, obviously water is life and we need, uh, health and water and food and leisure, um, as well as local and global resources in this water here. And there's really intense risks with the sulfide mining to the water rich environment up there. Um, there's going to be pumping requirements, uh, by Talon metals, um, that are, uh, probably I'm, if I'm, I'm just going to throw it out there akin to, uh, what happened with line three, they're going to be pumping a ton of water out, uh, to make way for this mine. And, uh, there's a group that's been doing, um, a lot of work on this and that is the Tamarack Water Alliance. And they have a community zoom meeting, uh, every couple of weeks. And the next one is coming up on February 1st. That's next. Wednesday at 10 a.m. Central Time, and everybody is invited to their open community virtual Zoom meeting, and it's an opportunity to learn about the risks of the Talon Metals Mine in Aiken County and uh, the Tamarack North Project. Uh, Tom Anderson is going to be presenting, and uh, there's lots of ways that you can get involved there. Um, right now, the estimate for the uh, pumping for the Talon Metal Mine, uh, based on the uh, calculations that Talon Metal has spelled out in their uh, request, it corresponds to about 2.03 million gallons per day, um, which is a lot of gallons of water, Robert. I'm, I'm, I'm baffled uh, that Minnesota, after uh, line three and the massive drought that we have, uh, would be considering this. But I just wanted to give people a heads up that this is something that they can uh, get involved in and uh, another way to protect water here in uh, Minnesota in the land of 10,000 lakes and sky blue waters. And uh, you can go to Tamarack, that's 
T-A-M-A-R-A-C-K, wateralliance.org. And uh, you can find the registration link to receive the Zoom link on on their website. And uh, it's really an awesome way for you to uh, get involved with the water. And uh, Robert, I don't know if you've heard too much about that Tamarack uh, mine. Have you heard much yet? No, but I, I'm glad you brought it up. I've just been kind of circling around it and, uh, and uh, you know, circling around it like, um, you know, a wagon, a wagon circle. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know, you got to uh, kind of, these things are really intimidating. You know, when you talk about another water project coming in, when we're all still healing from the damage that was done from uh, line three, you know, so it, it's hard to kind of, you know, turn around and, you know, bring up another fight, but uh, it's definitely something that people, if they're not aware of, should be aware of and uh, be able to take care of. So get involved with that if you can. Uh, the other things I wanted to touch base on for news uh, come out of the Navajo Nation. Um there is now a woman elected the speaker of the Navajo Nation, a 37-year-old Crystalyn uh, Curley uh, now has one of the most influential roles in Navajo politics, and she is the first one in that role in the 100-year history of the Navajo government, uh, despite the nation being a matrilineal society. Um, but there is uh, excitement in that, and I want to congratulate the uh, Navajo Nation and the 25th Navajo nation council uh, for having her serve as the speaker to the council. And I'm excited to see what the Navajo nation has uh, in store with a woman in that position. Right, Robert? Yeah. Uh, and and uh, applause all the way because uh, the women lead the, the way in many, many things. And, uh, you know, um, in the native way, it's, it's good that that's happening. Exactly. And, you know, I think that more and more we're going to see this happening uh, both in tribal nations and both in the U.S. government as well. We're going to have more and more women, more and more women of color uh, in places because uh, I don't know about you, but as a woman of color, Robert, I am tired of the way things are. And there's uh, definitely a lot of us who are feeling that way. And uh Running for office and taking an elected uh, position or uh, working for an elected position within your tribe is a really great way to do that. Uh, a little bit of sad news, though, Robert, for our relatives in Hawaii. Um, ICT just did a, uh, a story here that according to the census, uh, the biggest growth of Native Hawaiian and other Pacific Islander populations was in Clark County, Nevada, which is Las Vegas which means that Native Hawaiians cannot afford to stay in Hawaii. Um, they interviewed a family and the family said uh, that they were basically sharing one room and the monthly rent was $2,300 and then it increased. And uh, they're basically priced out of the median price range uh, in Hawaii, where the median price for a single family home is about $900,000. And that was during the pandemic. And on the most popular island uh, where Honolulu is, the median price is more than a million. So Native Hawaiians cannot afford to live in their own land. And uh, many of them are coming to uh, Las Vegas, Nevada, um, which is really interesting to me um, that that move would be uh, someplace you know, how, how that, how that works out, I guess I'm, I'm not sure why Las Vegas is um, where they're coming from or where they're coming to. But I mean, I just, it breaks my heart that, you know, so many families are thousands of miles from home um, and, you know, just feel that they can't, there's no way for them to afford to be on their homelands. And uh, I fear for that here in Minnesota and my prayers are out for Hawaii and for its residents that are um, unable to stay there. Yeah, I agree. I saw that article, Ogma. Um, mm -hmm. Very, very sad and uh, um, not hard to believe, but very sad. Right, exactly. And we have to uh, make sure we can uh, stand up for those rights of uh, Indigenous people wherever they be. Um, I don't know how that works in Hawaii, but um, maybe I can track down a group that's working on that. Some affordable housing would be great. Hey, thanks, Ogama, for uh, the news that you don't hear anywhere else. Up next, we got uh, Robert Rice. It seems like we have a lot of Roberts on this show. We have Robert Lilligran, Robert uh, Blake, and now Robert Rice. So it's the Robert Show here on Native Roots Radio. We'll be back after this short break. Stay with us. 
JNS Bean Factory is a native-owned, community-supported, cozy, artsy coffee shop which offers roasted on-site beans, live music, and baked goods. Relax in the beautiful outside patio. City Pages writes, voted top 10 coffee shops. Tucked into a quiet corner of St. Paul's Highland Park neighborhood, this coffee shop roasts beans on-site from the best coffee-growing countries in the world. Located at 1518 Randolph Avenue, St. Paul. The good stuff. Getting vaccinated doesn't have to be boring. The Department of Indian Works St. Paul is having a COVID-19 community vaccine event on Friday, January 27th that will feature music, crafts, art vendors, and more. Not only will you get to enjoy some great art, but you'll also receive $50 of gift card incentives when you get your shot. So protect yourself from COVID while having some fun enjoying Minnesota's vibrant indigenous art scene. Again, that's Friday, January 27th from 3 until 7 at the Indigenous Roots Cultural Center in St. Paul. Hey, Olgama, I've been hearing a lot about this term, climate justice. What is that? Climate justice is recognizing that the negative impacts of climate change don't affect all people equally. It also means transitioning from a fossil fuel-based economy to a more sustainable future. MN350 is one of the groups that's pushing for this transition to protect our futures. You can even get involved, too. That's great, especially since I'm concerned about pipeline projects like Line 3. How can I help MN350? Just find them on Facebook or visit mn350.org. Take care of your community by joining Metro Transit's Adopt a Stop program. Show your community pride by adopting a transit stop. Join us in helping keep the stop and your neighborhood beautiful and report any maintenance needs to us. We'll put a sign at the stop recognizing your efforts. Plus, you'll get 10 free rides every month. Get details at metrotransit.org slash adopt. Again, adopt a stop for Metro Transit. Hi, I'm Jane Fonda, and you're listening to Native Roots Radio. And we're back to Native Roots Radio presents I'm Awake, and this is Robert Pilot. This portion of the show is brought to you by MN350, a grassroots organization fighting for climate justice. Hey, we got Bob Rice here. I don't see him, but I think he's here. Bob, are you with us? Oh, I see why I'm not on. <laughs> okay. Oh, good. Top of your head. I like it. Hey, welcome to Native Roots Radio. And uh, we, we have a, uh, we're excited to have you on. Uh, Wendy and I were talking a little bit before the show, and uh, it's, uh, it's really, it's fun to have you on, and I, there's so much, I go to the powwow grounds quite a bit, and you're the owner of the powwow grounds, and we have a few questions uh, for you, and one of the things I want to let you know, too, Bob, is that uh, we have people all over the country listening to us. We're on 11 shows, in the, uh, 11 stations in civic media in uh, Wisconsin, and of course, we're live on Facebook and YouTube. And I'm, you know, your place is a place where people, when they come to Minneapolis from all over Turtle Island, they stop there. So uh, thanks for coming on tonight. Yeah, no problem. Hey, uh, how? go ahead, Bob. No, no, go ahead. Okay. Hey, I got a question. So how long is the powwow grounds been around? Well, February 4th will be 12 years. Wow. And, uh. I think uh, one of the exciting things is the name. How did you come up with the name? Well, the name actually, uh, I think it was a, well, um, NACTI actually came up with the name, Native American Community Community Development Institute. So about 13 years ago, I was running a coffee shop on the north side called 42nd Avenue Station, and Andy... Hessness and Justin Heeneman called me and asked me if I wanted to open a coffee shop on the south side, which I said, no, I'm too busy as it is. And long story short, they were very convincing for me to open a shop on the south side. Uh, After they told me what their vision for the coffee shop was, I agreed to do it. And, uh, 12 years later, here I am, and the other shop is gone, blown away by a tornado. <laughs> oh, wow. Hey, you know, there's a lot of community stuff. So we uh, got hit that, by a tornado. Yeah, got hit by a tornado. There's a lot of community things that happen. Uh, you're right next to uh, 
the um, art art place in, in Natke's right there. A um, lot of things happening. I know our uh, Ho-Chunk member, uh, Mike Gozies in the basement somewhere over there. And uh, there's a lot happening there on Franklin Avenue, a lot of history too. Yeah, so across the street from Powell Grounds is where the office is or was. Um, and that was back in the uh, either late 60s, early 70s. Uh course we're in this corridor where there were all the native bars um across the street was oh gosh what was the name of that i can never remember the name of that bar but infamous bar native bar um they also said that was ames uh other office (laughs) (laughs) yeah i go back uh, oh, what happened? Yeah, you're there. Uncle you're still was on. actually living on the streets in that area. Okay, my uncle yeah. was living on the streets over there back back in the day, and you know you had the kamad cheese, and so we'd uh, get the kamad cheese from him and barter with them basically, and. Uh, so lots of uh, my aunties and uncles lived around there. So I uh, had a lot of uh, uh, memories from back then. I've always been a North Sider. My family moved there in the 50s. And uh, so North Side, you know, South Side. But anyways, uh, Pat Bellinger, my cousin, part of AIM. Um, mm-hmm. Ronald Briss, uh, done a lot of philanthropy work from there. But, you know, yeah. Back when my father died, family immediately kind of lost connection with the side of our family. And uh, coming back to Franklin Avenue was like, oh, yeah. This is my family. These are my people. You know? So um, part of the thing with being native is there's certain things we do, uh, or at least what I think that is. And, you know, we <clears throat> try to be helpful uh, to our community, uh, whether it be by cooking or doing something and uh, I think we kind of I think that vision kind of happened at Powell Grounds um, uh, that these were things that my family had always done and now we're doing it uh, just trying to be helpful in the community and stuff like that well, you got a catering business out of there, too, and I've had some really delicious uh, food uh, at many events. Uh, Bob, I, I, there's a couple of things I want to get to before we, we end here. One of them is there's a lot of celebrities that show up there. Can you name a few? Because I know I was uh, I had FOMO when I saw some of the reservation dogs that were there. And over the years, I'm sure you've uh, seen a lot of uh, famous people, including Ogama. <laughs> Yeah, there were <laughs> there there has been you know the reservation dog, the and the the model uh, Kwana. I can't really remember Kwana. her name. Kwana chasing yeah. horse, I think. Yeah. Okay, and so you know it was, it was kind of cool to see them there, you know, because I watched Reservation Dogs and loved it, and. Uh, just that humor that you know that you, that you find with that show, native humor, and um, and of course Kwana, she's gorgeous, and it was nice to have her show up there. Um, so it, you know, it was kind of nice. I told them that 
I thought they would become famous because they came to Powell Browns. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Hey, I want to back up a couple of years ago when uh, George Floyd was murdered and how you and all my relations, uh, art place and also the powwow grounds became so involved for the neighborhood. Um, and I know Ogama and a bunch of people came from all over the country to protect uh, Franklin Avenue. And you were a huge part of that, Bob. Well, like I said, you know, we, it, it, it with, what my family has taught me is that we're going to be helpers, you know, being help helpful. And uh, it was uh, Mike Gozi and Frank <clears throat> Perro, you know, we were talking, you know, I mean, I had already the insurance company say, hey, how's my insurance? You know, I'm going to yeah. burn down. Do I have good insurance? <laughs> and they said, yeah. So then we sat down and we were talking about, what we could do as a, as a group. And uh, uh, <clears throat> we thought, well, let's bring people together. And we'll try to the, the neighborhood. We'll set up people at different native organizations along Franklin Avenue and, and off Franklin Avenue. And so we had done that. Um, and uh, that, meant that I was at Powell Grounds 24 hours a day for about 10 days. Uh, I was sleeping in the basement. I'd go home and shower and, and then go back, you know, cook food, whatever it needed. I know at one point we had about 300 people there, and I was – the funds were drying up on my end, and so I sent a Facebook message out to, hey, hey we need food. Can you donate hot dog hamper? And so I did that, and I went to sleep in the basement, you know, sometime in the middle of the night. And uh, I get upstairs. I walk into the gallery, and I got a ton of food in there. And I'm just like, what the heck happened here? <laughs> you know? Yeah. And the food kept coming in. And uh, so we were we had plenty of food to serve everybody, but now I have too much food. <laughs> then uh, Bill Swan, myself, and we talked to Nacti, and we asked him if we could set up a free store, basically. And uh, with all the donations we got in, knowing that a lot of uh, supermarkets in the area had been damaged and were unable to be open and serve the community, we decided. And so we did that. And within a couple of days, we we had uh, so much food in the shop that I had no idea what, what, you know, we just was asked people to bring in shelving units, and so we gave away food for the community for the next how long? Well, Bob, thanks Three for months. stopping in. St- thanks for stopping in, and I just want to say that was a huge thing. Wendy and I stopped by, and we're amazed by you know uh, how much you were doing for the community, especially with these grocery stores and places that were closed. And that you were giving food and uh, being a great community member that you are. Thank you so much for being on the show. All right. Thank you. All right. Right on. Good night. All right. Right on. Hey, up next, Wendy with some sacred animal news. We'll be right back. This is Native Ritz Radio Presents. I'm awake. COVID-19 is still here. It's not too late to get your booster. Staying up to date with vaccines can help you protect yourself from getting seriously ill from COVID-19. Get your booster at the 360 Colburn Clinic, operated by St. Paul Ramsey County Public Health, for a chance to win one of five $500 Visa gift cards. Each week in January, a winner will be selected from eligible persons age 5 and up who got their COVID-19 booster. To learn more and schedule your appointment, visit RamseyCounty.us slash booster. Take care of your community by joining Metro Transit's Adopt a Stop program. Show your community pride by adopting a transit stop. Join us in helping keep the stop and your neighborhood beautiful and report any maintenance needs to us. 
We'll put a sign at the stop recognizing your efforts. Plus, you'll get ten free rides every month. Get details at metrotransit.org/adopt. Again, adopt a stop for Metro Transit. Hello, Minnesota. This is Tom Hartman, and you can catch me every weekday from eleven to two right here on AM nine fifty, the progressive voice of Minnesota. It's smart radio for smart people. Winter is here, and there's a good chance your home isn't being heated efficiently. And it's likely because of air sealing and insulation problems. Inadequate attic insulation is the leading contributor to high energy bills, cold rooms, and ice dams. Great news, the energy-efficient pros at Snap Construction can fix it all. Stop the heat from leaking out and save. Call 612-333-SNAP or visit snapconstruction.com for your free infrared energy inspection. Install with Snap Construction and qualify for over $750 in rebates and incentives. State and city programs are now offering 0% financing for qualifying insulation upgrades. So call Snap Construction for your free insulation energy consultation and start saving on your energy bills. Call 612-333-SNAP. That's 612-333-SNAP. Or visit snapconstruction.com. Snap Construction is arguably the most well-reviewed insulation and exterior contractor in the metro area. Visit snapconstruction.com. Would you let animals pick your insurance? Do you really need to experience mayhem to get the best rates? Or how about a celebrity quarterback or fake university saving you money? There's a lot of marketing stunts when it comes to insurance. But what you really need is someone looking out for you. Call Array Insurance, and they will work hard to find you the best insurance coverage and rates. So avoid gimmicks and call Cheryl at Array, 763-504-3067 or ArrayInsurance.com. Array Insurance, working hard for you. Hey, it's Tom telling you how all energy solar can make you see green in 2023. Fossil fuel prices will continue to rise this year, so lock in an energy rate with a new system from All Energy Solar. Solar panels from All Energy Solar last 25 to 30 years, giving you stable energy costs for decades to come. And besides solar panels, All Energy Solar can also help with solar battery storage and electric car charging stations. For 2023, many tax incentives are available, and All Energy Solar can walk you through the entire process. The Inflation Reduction Act included an extension and increase to the federal solar tax credit. Plus, many local utilities and communities in Minnesota offer solar rebates. But don't delay. Many local incentives are claimed on a first-come, first-served basis, meaning if you wait until the traditional spring construction season, those incentives will likely be gone. So make 2023 your greenest year ever, both environmentally and financially. Get a free no-obligation assessment from All Energy Solar by visiting allenergysolar.com. With your AM 950 weather, I'm Brett Johnson. Look for some light snow tonight with a low around 7, Thursday sunny with a high near 12, and Friday about 1 to 2 inches of snow with a high near 16. Hazel's Northeast has some of the most creatively prepared comfort food you'll find for any meal of the day. Favorites include the drunken banana French toast, buttermilk fried chicken sandwich, and Swedish meatballs. Open Tuesdays through Saturdays from 8 to 8 with a Sunday brunch from 8 until 2. Located off 29th and Johnson, more at hazelsnetogo.com. This portion of the show is supported by Howling for Wolves. Please join Howling for Wolves on Wolf Day, Tuesday, February 7th, 2023 at the Minnesota State Capitol. You can sign up on Howling for Wolves event page. Howling for Wolves, protecting wolves for future generations. Welcome back to Native Ritz Radio Presents. I'm awake and this is Robert Pilot. And this portion of the show is brought to you by Howling for Wolves, protecting wolves for future generations. Oh. I think we'll be doing that a couple more times. Hey, uh, I want to uh, introduce my awesome and beautiful wife, Wendy. Wendy's been an animal advocate for many years. I stopped with one many. Did you notice that, Wendy? Uh, instead of saying many, it. many. Yeah. And uh, you've been an animal advocate. And you talk about our sacred animals, which are all our our animals and uh, relatives out there with hooves, tails, fins, little uh, hoofs. Uh, welcome. And uh, we're going to do a special show here with you, Wendy. We're going to have you on for two segments. Well, that's great because I have a lot to say. Thank you very much, Robert and Ogama. My name is uh, Hanaji Hihani, and that means cares for them. I was given that name by my Dega Curtis. 
Curtis goes by Mashke Hanajinga, which means walks on white clouds. I'm a humane policy volunteer leader for the Humane Society of the United States, and I work on animal issues at the local and state level. It's always my pleasure to do that. And yes, Howling for Wolves, uh, you only have till I believe February 1st to sign up for Wolf Day, which will be taking place here in St. Paul's uh, State Capitol. And uh, you could advocate for wolves. Uh, one thing I want people to know, you could also sign up to do a virtual visit, which is also uh, great since a lot of people can't uh, leave and uh, they don't really want to go around a lot of people right now. But yeah, so if our Minnesota wolves get taken off the endangered species list, Minnesota will be required the word is required to have a wolf hunt, which is a really scary thing. So we want to stop that from happening and we need people to talk with their representatives and tell them that that's not what they want to happen. So go ahead and sign up on the Howling for Wolves uh, event page and do that. I will be there in person on uh, Feb Tuesday, February 7th. So I'm looking forward to that. Um, you know, a while back, I was talking about eagles and how um, euthanized animals were illegally dumped in a landfill in Invergrove Heights in uh, Minnesota. And these eagles went and they ate these carcasses and got really, really sick. And the University of Minnesota Raptor Center took care of these animals uh, that were really, um, really on death's door. So I want to just uh, talk about that a little bit. And I have an update. Uh, but first, before I do that, I want I have two quotes from people who worked at the University of Minnesota Raptor Center. One of the quotes is, this is a heartbreaking incident, is yet another example of how critical it is for humans to be mindful of what we are putting into the environment. We are all connected, and sometimes our actions can be un have unintended and devastating consequences. That was uh, from the University of uh, St. Paul campus of the Raptor Center, um, and that was on their Facebook page. The other um, quote I want to uh, read is, it's extremely sad event is another reminder. Oh, it's the same thing. Oh, here. It's extremely sad event is another reminder that we as humans can and must do better, the Raptor Center said in its post. All too often, our doctors are treating birds that enter our clinic as a result of human-caused, completely preventable illnesses and injuries. Together, we can help protect protect the lives of not just raptors like bald eagles, but the environment that we all share together. And I think that's a really important reminder. And there's a lot that we talk about on the show, whether it's, you know, oil, um, pipelines, or animals, everything. Uh, so I have an article here from NPR News. Uh, this is dated uh, January 6th, so the beginning of the month, but it is an update on these eagles and what's happened to them. After weeks of treatment, the poisoned eagles released. Uh, they were back into the wild in Minnesota. This is an article written by Ben Hovland, Again, dated January 6th. After weeks of medical treatment, six bald eagles that were found poisoned last month near the Twin Cities were released back into the wild. The University of Minnesota Raptor Center released the eagles at Carpenter Nature Center along the St. Croix River near Hastings. They were among 11 eagles found poisoned near a landfill in Invergrove Heights in early December. The Raptor Center Center said the first was found on December 4th, nine more on December 5th, and one more on December 6th. The Raptor Center reported the eagles were suffering from phenobarbital poisoning, the primary agent used in euthanasia solution. Eagles can get secondary poisoning if they scavenge on a bottle, a body of an animal that was euthanized with this chemical. 
Officials confirmed that carcasses of euthanized animals had recently been brought to the landfill. These birds came to us extremely sick, so they are required a lot of intensive treatment from our staff, said University of Minnesota Director Dana Franzen Klein. One of the eagles, which also had avian influenza, died. Several of the 10 others were discovered to also be suffering from lead poisoning, complicating their recovery. In photos and videos released by the Raptor Center, the remaining 10 eagles are seen with their heads resting on rolled up towels. Staff had to physically remove the tainted meat from the eagle's stomachs. One was released on December 30th, following, followed by the additional eagles released on Friday after passing final medical and flight checks. According to Dr. Frazin, Frenzen Klein, the Raptor Center treats approximately a thousand injured and orphaned raptors every year. The organization requ- uh, relies on public donations for its operations and raised nearly $20,000 to support the Eagles rehabilitation in an online fundraiser. It's extremely exciting to see all of our hard work come to fruition and see these birds go back into the wild where they belong, said Dr. Frasian Klein. So I'm really happy that these birds um, not, you know, they did really well. Most of them did survive, but they really went through a harrowing, um, really a hard, um, you know, something that happened to them. And it was all because of these euthanized animals that were put illegal in this uh, landfill. Now, I went online, I've checked, I tried to figure out and find out where the euthanized animals came from. And they were, I'm sure that they know because it was under investigation um, for a while, but none of the articles that I read said, you know, where they came from or what animals they were that these eagles ate. Um, the, the other sad news is that um, 10 of the eagles that were found who ate these euthanized animals also had lead poisoning. Um, yeah. That's astonishing that 10 out of the 11 had lead poisoning. And Robert, you know, we've in Ogamo, we've talked about lead poisoning on this show so many times. Um, I feel like I sound like a broken record, but I'm going to bring it up again. Only a tiny amount of lead in these birds could really cause a lot of problems. Hunters that use lead bullets uh, go out in the field and they'll shoot a deer or an animal. Uh, They may not kill the animal. The animal may run away and die elsewhere. And the carcass is um, fed on by other animals, raptors, all kinds of other animals. And the the lead that is in that bullet uh, will poison these animals. Um, also, hunters will use lead bullets, kill an animal, and leave uh, gut piles. So they'll s- kind of um, slaughter and clean the animal there on the field and, and leave gut piles. And these gut piles have traces of lead in them. And again, in just a small amount, uh, can really cause dev- devastating damage and if you're if you have lead poisoning it's a really horrible death it's not you know like okay you're dead and you're gone and that's it it's a really painful death for these animals um so hunters are asked to use alternative bullets there's plenty out there uh, that have been um tested and said to be the same as lead bullets and also not to leave the gut piles in an area where these animals can get at the at, get get at the the lead piles because it's really really devastating. Um, I know myself for the Humane Society Humane Society of the United States. I have lobbied for um, stricter laws on lead bullets, um, but the NRA has such strong lobbying power in 
in uh, Washington, Washington, and they have so much money and so much power and so much political power that the NRA is afraid of any changes or any gun laws or any, you can't use lead bullets, any changes at all would lead to more changes and more changes and more changes. And that's why they don't want to do that. Um, so we really have to, again, uh, talk with our legislators and representatives and ask them, to pass good, safe legislation, gun laws first, and we need safer bullets, not only for us. Uh, children get into the lead, the animals get into the lead, the lead gets into the water, the lead gets into the fish, the people eat the fish, and so on and so forth. Um, so, um, yeah, so I have one minute left. Yeah. Hey, um. <laughs> so, Wendy, yeah, I, just, go ahead. I just wanted to mention something too that you've talked about and I want to take time to remind people because it's winter right now. Poison is another really big problem for eagles and other birds of prey too. So if you can, if you're dealing with a vermin problem, if you have mice or other small creatures right now, choose non-toxic methods because the eagles come and they eat those animals and they eat the poison that those animals ate and um, you know, the, the food chain exists. It's real. It's not just a picture and, uh, you're a big part of it and, uh, make sure you're choosing healthy options for your relatives. Your yeah. relatives. Thank you for bringing that up. Uh, right welcome. I appreciate hey. it. Up next, uh, Wendy pilot, my wife again, uh, talking more, uh, sacred animals here. You're listening to native roots radio presents. I'm awake. Stay with us. Hey, Olgama, I've been hearing a lot about this term, climate justice. What is that? Climate justice is recognizing that the negative impacts of climate change don't affect all people equally. It also means transitioning from a fossil fuel-based economy to a more sustainable future. MN350 is one of the groups that's pushing for this transition to protect our futures. You can even get involved, too. That's great, especially since I'm concerned about pipeline projects like Line 3. How can I help MN350? Just find them on Facebook or visit MN350.org. Minnesota has the only original wolf population in the continental United States, and 80% of Minnesotans believe the wolf should be protected. Howling for Wolves is asking Minnesotans to respect our true wildlife manager, the wolf. Their survival is critical to our ecosystems, our communities, and even our economy. As highly intelligent animals with strong social bonds, Minnesota wolves deserve to be protected and admired. Learn more at howlingforwolves.org. Let's live and let howl. COVID-19 is still here. It's not too late to get your booster. Staying up to date with vaccines can help you protect yourself from getting seriously ill from COVID-19. Get your booster at the 360 Colburn Clinic, operated by St. Paul Ramsey County Public Health, for a chance to win one of five $500 Visa gift cards. Each week in January, a winner will be selected from eligible persons age 5 and up who got their COVID-19 booster. To learn more and schedule your appointment, visit RamseyCounty.us slash booster. Get vaccinated while discovering the inspiring work of Native American STEM professionals. The Department of Indian Work St. Paul will host a COVID vaccine clinic on Saturday, January 28th at the Science Museum of Minnesota's Native American STEM Day. Get your shot while enjoying a live DJ, activities, STEM student-led panels, galleries, and exhibitors. Plus, get $50 of gift card incentives when you get vaccinated. So let's get vaccinated and celebrate Native Americans in STEM on Saturday. Saturday, January 28th from 11 to 4 at the Science Museum of Minnesota. Admission is free. This is uh, Leonard Peltier. I am in uh, Coleman 1, U.S. Penitentiary, and I'm listening to Native Roots Radio. And we're back to Native Roots Radio presents I'm Awake, and this is Robert Pilot. This portion of the show is brought to you by Howling for Wolves, protecting <laughs> wolves for future generations. Oh. Hey, I don't know. Uh, before we get uh, going on this, uh, uh, Wendy, I don't know, Michael, yeah. I just put this up. Did you uh, know this? Uh, Line 3 activist Alexander James Webb was acquitted on all charges, including criminal trespassing today in Duluth, Minnesota. Uh, sitting treaty rights as a reason for his presence. So that's, that's amazing. Good that's good news awesome. for treaty rights. Yeah, definitely. we don't hear a lot of news, uh, good news on that front. So that's really good news to hear. 
Well, hey, I want to reintroduce my wife, Wendy. Wendy's been an advocate for many years, and we've been talking about our sacred animals here on Native Roots Radio. So what else do you got for us, Wen? Yeah, thank you so much for having me twice. I really appreciate it. You know, a lot of times what I do is I read uh, from a blog. It's called A Humane World, and it's written by Kitty Block. Uh, And Kitty Block is the president and CEO of the Humane Society of the United States. And she has this blog, and she updates her blog uh, quite a bit. So I wanted to read an article uh, that she wrote. So I'm just going to be reading from her, um, her words. And this, you'll know why Robert and Ogama, this article really resonates uh, with me. And we'll talk about that after the article is written. So uh, the article is dated January 24th. So just yesterday, it's, it's called Rescued Breeder Dog Lived a Full Loving Life After She Was Saved. Here we go. Fighting the big fights for animals means that we are constantly working at an enormous scale to change thousands and thousands of lives from securing the passage of animal protection laws and filing lawsuits on behalf of animals to conducting investigations and rescuing animals from crisis situations. But today I want to focus on one of the, those lives in remembrance, a poodle named Bibi who passed away in the loving arms of her adopter earlier this month. We have told Bibi's story before. For years, the little pup was used as a breeding machine in the basement of a large-scale breeder operation in North Carolina. A local law enforcement agency requested our help, and when I say our help, I'm talking about the Humane Society of the United States, to save more than 100 dogs from this cruel operation. Bibi was one of them. Once she was removed from her tiny cage, Bibi went to a temporary emergency animal shelter where she was examined by a team of veterinarians from the Cabarrus Animal Hospital. She was estimated to be middle-aged, five to nine years old, and she had likely spent her entire life in that dismal place. It is so happened that Bibi's future adopter was very nearby. The receptionist at the animal hospital, Brenda, noticed that people were interested in adopting adopting the younger dog saved from the puppy mill, but not Bibi. Everyone else wanted puppies, Brenda remembered. I wanted her. That's how Bibi came into Brenda's life. It was time of transition for her as she was about to retire. Bibi needed a lot of care and attention to recover from her years of neglect, and Brenda had time to give. At first, Bibi was in bad shape. She emerged from her cage with filthy fur, paws imprinted by the wire floor and rotten teeth that weakened her lower jaw. Of course, not all Bibi's pain was physical. Many things scarred her. Grass, throw rugs, loud noises, sudden movements. Brenda worked with Bibi to overcome her fears, and she says she learned a lot about patience from her little rescued poodle. Soon, though, Bibi was running all over the backyard and even became comfortable lying next to Brenda's Maltese dog, Tico. At night, Bibi happily shared the bed with her rescuer, surrounded by her stuffed toys, which she moved near her belly as though she was nursing her puppies. Six happy years went by. Unlike other breeder dogs in large-scale breeding operations who are discarded or killed when they are no longer useful, babies aged in, aged in comfort and with love. She got cataracts and started to slow down a bit. Still, her death was unexpected. In early January, Brenda awoke early one morning and found Bibi was having trouble breathing. There was nothing she could do to save her little dog. It's been a few weeks since Bibi passed away and Brenda and Tico are adjusting to life without her. Tico now shares the bed and he seems to sense that his person is grieving the loss of Bibi. He's like my little guardian angel, Brenda said. He just keeps looking at me like, am I okay? Our hearts go out to Bibi's rescuer and her family. At the same time, we're so glad that this little pup found the 
found in the basement of a North Carolina breeder was able to experience such love and comfort at all. There'll never, ever, ever be another one like her, Brenda, Brenda said. Animals have such an amazing capacity to bond, to feel both love and pain. That's why we are taking on puppy mill industry, which threats dogs as little more that treat, I'm sorry, which treats dogs as little more than products to be bought and sold by passing laws against the sale of dogs from puppy mills in pet stores and by investigating the wrongs done to dogs in these facilities. It's hard to think that all, it's hard to think all of the other mother and dog uh, dogs in puppy mills right now, each one of them an individual with a unique personality capable of becoming a loving member of a family, just like BB was. But it is precisely this difficult truth that keeps us fighting to end puppy mills for good. And they say you can help improve the lives of puppy mill dogs by urging the U.S. government to require enrichment for companion animals raised in breeding facilities. And for me, I'd like to end all the breeding facilities out there. Um, but as long as people keep going to pet stores and buying their puppies online, uh, these puppy mills will continue to exist. Um, and you know, Robert and Ogama, um, Robert and I have a dog, Gracie, who came from one of these horrible places and really um, reading this kind of chokes me up a bit thinking about Gracie and the hardship uh, that she went through and her little body went through. I, yeah. I just, yeah, Gracie was in the puppy mill for seven years. Uh, Robert and I have her over a little over five and a half years. And our goal is to have her longer than she was in the puppy mill. And we always hope that she has forgotten um uh, the hardship that she went through in, in that puppy mill. So, um, you know, we always encourage, and you know what, it's so frustrating to me because I post this on my Facebook page. I, we've talked about this a hundred times on the show. Um, and every day I see somebody on Facebook and somebody, you know, online, whatever, um, buying another puppy, and um, I just can't get excited about that little shiny right. new puppy because I know where that puppy originated from. And I know that the mom dog and the dad dog are still stuck in this horrible puppy mill breeding place. And also I want to bring up the fact that, you know, women out there, if, if we're feminists, um, these puppy mills are like a sex trap for dogs. A female yeah. dog is kept in a cage. She's forced to have sex. She's forced to be pregnant and forced to have these puppies. Um, and if you are female and a feminist, that's an, just another reason not to uh, get let this industry uh, go on and you know just pa pass the word along to all your friends uh, to please adopt. Do not shop. Wow. Yeah, definitely. And uh, we've been talking about lead bullets for so long and adoption to great okay. segments. I think we could talk about that every day, you know, until we're <laughs> blue in the face because it's, it's, it's out there and it's terrible. Thanks, Wendy, for stopping in for two segments. Thank Bob Rice and uh, Powwow Grounds and Ogama with the news. You've been listening to Native Ritz Radio Presents I'm Awake. We're still here. We are the seventh generation. Free Leonard Peltier. Now. <laughs>